Welcome to the Soma Soulworks Podcast. We hope here to equip, empower, and inspire a global community of creatives through rich, Christ-focused conversation. Thanks for joining us today. Okay, here we go. Welcome back to the next episode of Soma Soulworks Podcast. Today in the studio, we have Neil, Sammy, myself, and we're going to be talking about a product that we have just begun working on. So I suppose in some ways this is going to be a product announcement, uh, but I don't know if this will be the first place that we announce it, um, but it will have been soon, by the, or recently I should say, by the time we launch this out. Long story short, we're, uh, we are in the middle of creating a interactive fiction game based in our arc universe which you saw in previous games called g and g prime so for reference g is the first game we ever made back in 2008 and it's a gravity puzzle set in a sort of a steampunk in space kind of a thing um we did g prime which was our first console game which was basically a reboot of the same reboot and expansion of the same idea um but for those of you who pay attention to kind of soma's long story this is set in a world that was one of the four worlds that felt like uh, when, when Soma Games was first started that God told us to make these stories. Long story short. And uh, I'm trying to figure out like if I should spoil the point. Um, mm. I think I'll rather just reward people who do their research rather than kind of tell it here. But long story short, kind of uh, thematic-wise, um, it's sort of a steampunk, diesel punk, exactly kind of nailing down exactly the right way to, to, to do it. Um, this particular game is interactive fiction in the style of... Um, the Redwall, Lost Legends of Redwall stories that we did because we got really intrigued in this genre and of this this uh, this thing. And we actually have a really interesting partner on this project. So it's interesting how this came about. We got a call, um, I should say, a, yeah, a call um, uh, six months ago-ish from the International Missions Board who decided they want a video game. Like, didn't see that coming. <laughs> um, and, uh, and I will stop for the moment there only to say they're... They're partnering with us, and uh, in, in the sense of this, this, to be clear, this will not be a missions-oriented scripture reference kind of game. Same kind of game uh, Soma always makes. But we have a friend in the in, in this project, which is actually really, really interesting. Now, that said, we are talking about the game itself and why we're excited about it. And uh, I want to point out, we had been batting around these ideas for the game itself for uh, several weeks, months, whatever, as, as it was ramping up. And then the other day, Samantha had this wonderful idea, like, what if we set this in our own ARC universe? And all of a sudden, all the fireworks went off, all the gobsmacking went gobs, and uh, we started realizing how much fun this could be. Mm. So, Sammy, if you'd be so kind, like, tell me why, could you just, what's on your mind? Yeah, so the, Chris's initial proposition, something like a month ago, was like, hey, we're going to be doing this this story, it's going to be sort of a neo-noir, um, cyber punk slash Blade Runner style type you know story game and I love stories I've always wanted to uh, well I guess somewhere in college I got really into the visual novels as like a really squandered medium that yeah. is being mm. <laughs> used uh, pretty poorly right now um, I'm a English major so I care a lot about the uh, literary nature of, of storytelling that you could use a, such a cool format for 
Um, and that was like enough to get me excited. But then when I started thinking like, oh, but Ark is already halfway down that road and like we would have this whole foundation. Um, and also, you know, with the God thing that it felt kind of like, you know, we'd gotten away from Soma's roots for so long. This felt like a pretty clear like, hey, by the way, like this is a way to return to that um, in line with the whole mission. Um, but also like just the, the world building itself that was already established for GNG Prime is like, what was it, 12 giant conglomerate corporations? Ten, co- 10 companies. 10 companies ruling the whole world, which is like, what's more cyberpunk than that, right? Exactly. Uh, <laughs> so it had the, the uh, I don't know, the World uh, Economy Foundation, something mm-hmm. yeah. that yeah. like you've yeah. got these built-in dramas of like, Oh, this company and this company don't get along, but maybe these two companies have a under-the-table deal. Uh, one of them is a journalist company anyway, and our main character so far has been uh, a journalist. Like that is one of the key factors we knew we wanted. So we're like, well, um, maybe having this cool story arc of working for the big conglomerate and then maybe breaking away from it yeah, yeah. Um, along the way, like being like, wow, that this is this is how this kind of business works. It's not for me. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and so uh, to give people some context, the, uh, the, the broad strokes of the, of the story are, are that you play as, like as Samantha said, as a journalist, sort of like somewhere between a journalist and a PI, right? So you've got this kind of detective jam to it. You've got to do all the research yourself. Um, and you're trying to figure out like this mystery that presents itself at the beginning of the story. It's all around this public figure and their sudden disappearance. And you have to figure this whole thing out. Game mechanics wise, we have some really fun ideas that I think that we can, I think I'm willing to talk about, but, but I will put an asterisk here. And I was like, all of this is in work. All of it could change. That mm-hmm. said, I'm really excited about some fun things. Yeah. So we do have a couple of games that we have found after we came up with this idea. Um, well, or we, I should say Chris, but the idea to have really a hybrid of visual novel games and the sort of item seek and find i spy type stuff Mm -hmm. where you are actually doing the investigation and like picking up things and and flipping them over which is (laughs) really it's done a lot in big games but not a lot in mobile games yeah Mm. i think about big fish had this whole like section of hidden object games which was like a big genre but not many other places i don't want to say it's never been i've seen it other places but uh but it feels like the perfect kind of core mechanic for an investigative mm-hmm. kind of a deal. Um, and then we layer that on with some with some ways where instead of just, you know, kind of where's Waldo uh, sort of a thing, which is fun <laughs> enough. Um, but then also you add in sort of like layers of information, layers of detail. This reminds me of what we did with the scout and how like in your in your scent mechanics, like certain things became apparent that weren't that weren't there mm. in other modes. And so I really like this idea of like hidden layers of information. And and I think about um, we were really inspired back in the day with um, how games like Batman, Arkham Asylum, oh, yeah. you have you, these kind of like detective mode and stuff like that. So these become ins- inspiring things um, that we can think we can put into a mobile game where you really leverage the visuals. Um, and so can, if we can make these really pretty hidden object scenes, that's whatever. It, crime scene is the wrong word, but that's the right idea. Detective um, scene. Detective Ooh. scene, I guess, right? Um, and so it's a, it's a 2D uh, painting, but like really rich, but then also layer it. So imagine like, what does it look like in ultraviolet? What does it look like in infrared? What does it look like with whatever other mm-hmm. details we decide to put in there? Um, and you could really pop some fun things. I feel like the, that, that context. And then I'll, 
I'll tell you some ideas that we've been playing with on how the game proceeds. Um, at the center of many detective stories is sort of this search for truth, right? Mm. Who who done it? Who done it? And and the idea that we set the main character up that that is their prime motive, prime motive. There's someone who wants the truth, whatever that is. But then they're also super um, idealistic and and like you would expect from from youngster, you know, who who thinks the world ought to work a certain way. Um, and so you have this. We set up this fundamental conflict between the main character who wants the truth, and then the game mechanics actually fight you on this. Um, we we deny you the ability to find quote the truth. What there are is just the facts, and we oh. force you to make the information mean a certain thing. So your interpretation of the facts becomes a core mechanic. So as an example, you might go through an interview with a with a subject or a subject matter expert, and they will tell you so many things. So imagine I get ten bits of information from someone. But then at the end of the section, I'm forced to only choose three of those things that I keep basically as my notes. And so I can, I can decide how I'm interpreting, quote, the facts to mean a certain thing. And we're trying to force this issue of like, I am A, trying to reveal your intrinsic bias. Like, how do you read this information to mean a certain thing? But then also that you play with it. So not just what bias do you bring to the game, but what bias... My, like if you wanted to role play, like, okay, if I'm, I don't know the right words for this. If I'm, if I'm super blue, I'm going to read it this way. If I'm super red, I'm going to read it this way. That idea of like cooking that into the game mechanic and making it a game mechanic was one of the funner ideas I thought we came up with. It's also one of the most um, undervalued and underused parts of storytelling of like really letting the player decide the outcomes or the, 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 the branches. Like it's not, you know, it's not necessarily a multi-ending game, but instead of just going through the motions and having the conclusions spoon-fed to you, like we're making our own conclusions uh, in a way that uh, a lot of games just aren't offering. Yeah. Is it like pulling yourself through the story to get to that conclusion versus the traditional linear, which, which is linear narrative just being, here you go, here you go, here you go, here you go. Mm-hmm. Oh, here's a choice. It's not really a choice. You're actually like, no, no, I'm going to pull myself this way. I'm going to pull myself this way and pull myself this way. But it leads to like that main conclusion. Yeah. Yeah. And then you wind up chasing the threads that you're interested in. Yeah. And so uh, so you sort of start with a hub, there's a hub and spoke system to the whole thing where we we pre- we, we present the, the player with basically five immediate paths. Right. And which which are sort of rumors about what happened, mm-hmm. so to speak, like vague ideas about what to and you can kind of go down that road you know, one, two, three steps, which gives you more and more information, but you're limited in the number of steps that you can take. So, so think like also like a board game, like Clue. <laughs> so if I go down that road three steps, that's three of my six steps as an example, right? And so that means that I will never be able to investigate all five. This kind of thing, and we're really trying to leverage this in order to like you make choices, you decide. And then at the end of each section, you have to publish a story that chooses, mm-hmm. that you have to choose only from the notes that you kept and the details that you kept. And it would sort of write the story for it. So this is what you publish, right? Like man bites dog or whatever it is becomes your story. Um, and that would unlock other things that were, if you'd written a different story and taken different notes, it would unlock a different thread. Um, and uh, and then we've, there's a whole lot of fun ideas. Like you can also have a little side game, which is how do you promote your story? And if you spend money with clickbait or, you know, <laughs> or, or, you know, saucy pictures or whatever else. These are the kinds of things that you can kind of build an audience around the kind of a story you're telling, which again, like I, I love the, I love the gray area piece to the game mechanics. Like it forces this into a gray area 
which I want to talk about the world now, felt like a perfect, perfect match for what we've done in the ARC universe. Now, what most people would never have any access to is like there's actually a lot of world building that we put into ARC and just never got a chance to get out yet. And I say yet because we've always wanted to. We've got a bunch of you know documents and papers and pictures and portraits. And then they made the mistake of hiring me, and I'm just adding ideas to just that template. Just throwing stuff in there. Yeah. <laughs> we just, had 100 and something pages. I'm going to add 2,000 more. Wee, it's kind of like that. Yeah, but then the writers, you know. They're like, we we'll have a going. perfect game trilogy, Angela. What if it's like a quadrilogy or a mm. pentilogy? <laughs> what if we just didn't stop? This is <laughs> Final <laughs> Fantasy. So, uh, so in, in this ARC universe, you have, you have a world that, f- frankly, fits the cyberpunk mood in a lot of ways. So you have this kind of like hyper-authoritarian system based on corporate corporate things and so it becomes very um uh there's a lot of i don't know the right word for this tribalism i guess is a good word Mm. um you have a lot of of a very segmented society like do you work for one of the big 10 or not Uh, being a freelancer becomes really dangerous because uh, because violence is like cheap life is super cheap Mm. um but at the same time you've got this technology kind of comfort culture and so it's it's this interesting hot mess of high technology, high, um, kind of like the rich get richer, the poor get poorer. Mm-hmm. Um, the great divide. The great divide. But in the middle of this, you have basically a world that is that is like ready to be destroyed, so to speak, from a, from a biblical standpoint. Like it's like you're just asking for judgment, sort mm-hmm. of a thing. Um, and then you have sort of the remnant that exists in the world of these are the people who still know God uh, and who know it's right and wrong, but they're absolutely on the outside. Um, so they have to hide, they have to sneak around. Um, and so we have this very like black and white poles that are very clearly defined with a hot mess of gray in the middle. Mm. So it's, it feels like this, this game genre, or I should say the story suits that world, which is why when you brought up like that could be so much fun. And so one of the, the major things that, uh, G was built around is that there is this cosmic rain, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that has, has blown in that. Humanity has kind of known is coming for a hundred years, but haven't. Most people haven't bought into it being like the end of the world sort of thing. Um, uh, a lot of corporations think that it's a get-rich-quick opportunity of wow, we can mine this this asteroid belt or whatever for its resources. Um, and so, one of the things we talked about is setting this story about fifty years before G which means it's about 50 years since the initial whisperings of the rain that is coming. Right. Um, so it offers us also this, this cool opportunity to have this backplot um, thread that we could pull through multiple stories um, or just make some interesting characters off of where it's like you've got a small group of doomsayers who are like, the end of the world is coming, we just don't know when, um, and people mm. who are just non-believers in that. And I think a lot of interesting conflict could come from that we just don't know quite right. yet how we're going to utilize it right but it's pretty one of the more, more intriguing things we uh the way it's set up is because neil and i uh, as we were walking uh, down the road the other day it's like is this near future and i'm like well it's actually kind of distant past so the way we've imagined it is like technologically wise it's near future ish right so you've got mm-hmm. spaceships and stuff but sort of officially it actually takes place in earth in our earth's past so to speak like star wars it so, was really a long, long, long time, time ago, ago. Long time that's ago. a great point yes like mm-hmm. star wars um, cyberpunk star wars sold <laughs> sold i think that's a deal mm-hmm. so uh so the 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 whole world like they're kind of their their world is actually 
um, a, a world that we call Ta. Um, and it is the non-exploded planet that in our current world is actually the asteroid belt. So what you imagine is, mm. is a, and so there's a whole subculture of what they call the exploded planet hypothesis, which is that um, Mars used to be the moon of another planet mm. that, that is often called planet K. Um, somehow it blew up and there's a whole bunch of like, go down that rabbit trail. You are in like conspiracy space world, if that's a thing, um, but it's super fun. So we've, we've taken that, we put the players on Ta, which is sort of their earth. Mm. What we currently call earth is currently uninhabited in their world. And it's all smoky and misty and no one goes there. Sort of like Venus is for us today. Um, and Mars is in their mythology. Mars is sort of their, we always want to get back to that. Like back in the day we lived on Mars and it was beautiful. Mm. Everything was perfect. They call it Bast. Um, but it's, it's what we call Mars. And there's this whole thing about how they used to be in on, on, on Bast, but then they got kicked out because they were punished and now they're on Ta and they're mad about it. Mm. Um, they always want to get back to this. And so if you imagine, like you notice, like this is the Eden story. We got kicked out of Eden. And they're all trying to get back to there. Mm. And the rain basically is a bunch of, is a bunch of uh, ice in the form of uh, asteroids. So in the game, we call them asteroids. Um, <laughs> but people start realizing like, yes, it's a big brick of ice, but what if we could melt them and, get water back on Mars. And so this dream of bringing Bast back to life becomes this kind of fundamental motivation mm -hmm. for what goes on. And we can make money on it. And we can make cash. Yeah. <laughs> so Sammy, I'm curious, um, tell about some of the other game mechanics that you, that we've been discussing. Feel free. Like, I mean, we're kind of like spoiling the sauce, but only a little bit. It's fine. Okay. Yeah. Well, look, cause you know, his, I'm re bolding his asterisks. Like a lot of this is up for, for change. Um, but some of the initial designs are, of course, we want to be able to have sort of a, the hub scene where you can explore and look at things. Um, something I would really like to, to bring in is the opportunity to be like, okay, if there's a, a, um, like a dresser full of drawers that I could click on that and then it would kind of zoom in and I'd have my dresser drawer and then I could open like all the little drawers and find the stuff inside and maybe like if I find a note in one of the drawers that it would open up a new uh, sort of mini window where I can kind of just use my 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 finger or whatever to move it around and like to flip it over and see the back side and this side and like maybe that will have some play in with the uh, the different overlay layers of, like maybe I have to look at it Maybe I have to put the cover the Constitution in a um, lemon juice and <laughs> stick it in the oven, rice. you know. Mm. <laughs> um, I guess some other. What are the other things we've talked about? The note taking mechanic, like forcing the player to to make their interpretations and sort of like lock them in final answer. Um, one of the ideas there is to sort of be able to self label in your notes of like this is dubious information. This is like really pretty concrete information you know this one I haven't really you know quite decided on yet um, and some combination of that being able to really affect the storylines um, you know we'll want to have an inventory uh, we've been talking about having sort of a fake um, like totally in-world um, social media interface to where it's like, oh, yeah. I'm following a lead on this person. I can go to their Facebook page and scroll through their feed and see that it's all cat videos and then 
like encoded Morse code and the cat blinking or I don't know, you know, something crazy right. that we could we could come up with. But um, and having uh, sort of a virtual contact book, so it can be like, oh hey, I want to, um, I'm just gonna call up this person and ask them a few questions for the interview. Uh, one of the other subtle ideas we were thinking about um, is having like different s background sets that any singular conversation could happen in. So maybe it's like, hey, I can talk to you here at the crime scene, or I could take you to the bar, or I could take you to the cafe. And of those three backdrops, while the conversation might play out almost identically, that there might be one key difference of like maybe it'll be a lot easier to get, convince them if I take them to the bar and get them loosen their lips with some alcohol or maybe that would make them wildly uncomfortable and maybe my chances are way better at a coffee shop when their guard is down or something. Yeah. The different sets are cool. The different tools are cool. I'm, we got lots to lots that we could explore. I want to be careful we don't, one, give away everything all at once. Um, I think I'm happy if at the beginning we let people know that we're working on it. Um, I'm excited about this project. It's the first, basically, it's the first project we've had uh, since Redwall. Um, that, that's our own story. It's our own IP. We've been staying busy with working on some other projects, keeping the bills paid and everything else. Um, but this is the first time uh, since Redwall to work on our own stuff, um, and and I'm I'm really jazzed about it. So what I expect is probably in the coming many months we're going to be talking about it more and more. You'll see it on social media. Um, obviously we're going to have to get a steam page up, like that kind of stuff's all got to happen. Um, we don't have like everything right now is like virtual sticky notes and text. <laughs> and so it doesn't present super well. Um, but all the story meetings have been really fun and exciting. I want to point out, um, uh, another exciting piece of this is that we get the chance to work with Amy Green from Numinous Games on this project. She's a fantastic writer. Um, we've known Ryan and Amy a long, long time. Um, they kind of came up in the industry with us, so we, we go back a long way. But we've never had a chance to work on anything together. Mm. Um, and this is this is really cool. So it feels like this plays to a, a real strength that she has. She gets to bring her, her writing chops. She gets to bring um, kind of her way of, of storytelling, which I think is fantastic, to but what I think we've got. We've got a platform. We've got art. We've got lots of fun stuff also. So it really feels like a good team. And I'm sure that we'll have, uh, we'll have Amy here uh, on a more kind of an interview basis, right? Uh, to talk more mm. about this, because um, at least at least what she tells me is that she's excited about it too. So I think this would be something we can talk about more. Um, I don't want Soma Sorg's podcast to become a product podcast. However, where this fits in for us on the soul side is, well, okay, so this is probably worth saying, how do we explore this? Soma Games decided at the beginning that we're not making Christian games for Christian audience. However, we are Christian people making games for the mainstream. Like that's sort of a, a mm. core foundational piece for Soma games. So we want games that are ready for everybody, um, but still reflect what we believe in. This particular story is a good example of that. Mm. It has, it uh, allegory is a wrong word. I know that, that Tolkien would punch me in the face. Um, <laughs> so it's not an allegorical story, but it is a sort of a symbolic story. It, it, it very much encapsulates um, uh, sort of our picture of if we had a theme here you know, of this world, it's basically kind of the the cost of evil. Like what mm -hmm. like what does it cost when people are evil and kind of everyone does what was right in his own eyes? Um, so that's that's kind of what the world's all about. 
and then we bring it into very specific use cases where by real subtle changes in what we do in game mechanics and in storytelling, we get to explore, I think, much, much deeper themes in a way that I don't think is is typical. And that's I don't want to say that other games don't have deep story to them, but I don't think other games are deep and Christian very often. <laughs> like So in that regard, that's really fun. Hmm. Um, well, specifically visual novels, like outing myself here. I've played a lot of them for research, but I've also played a whole lot of them not for research because I'm a <laughs> weeb. Um, and they're not deep and they're not well written. They're not an allegory. They're just, they're, they're cheaper than Pulp Fiction. What, what is, the, they really yeah. are like some cheap, cheap entertainment and the, the opportunity to actually bring some more literary merit here mm, like yeah. it's just it i'm starting to see the shift more and more people are coming to the same conclusion of hey there's a lot of wasted potential here mm, but yeah. it really feels like something where we can be ahead of the curve i sure hope so that's that's our desire i don't mind saying and, and credit needs to go to uh to do we use her pen name oh yeah ren ren was her last name rose ren, ren rose, rose? Maybe we'll put this in the links. Anyways, um, she was uh, she was one of our core writers uh, on many of the Redwall stories. She's since moved on to Fire Sprite, but years ago she made this pitch to us like that we should get involved in visual novels. She did a ton of research. Um, she was like fresh out of school and took a big risk of like this is my passion. I'm give, bringing it to the boss, and it was a really good move. And that's what led to Lost Legends of Redwall. That's what led us here. So she deserves a lot of credit mm-hmm. for kind of seeing this coming. Um, and a, a shout out to, to Ren. So anyways, I reckon that we're, we're kind of up against uh, almost a half an hour here. Um, so we don't have to you know, close it unceremoniously, but Neil, you haven't said much. And I just want well, to get thinking, the chance. How do, we, how do we put this in terms of what the gameplay is like and stuff? The, the key thing that comes out is like, so we have cyberpunk with this hints of diesel punk, steampunk, but it's basically playing this wonderful female detective journalist. So she's kind of uh, Sherlock Holmes meets Batman. Yeah. I love it. Let's just do that. That's a great way to put it. <laughs> groovy, groovy. Well, in that case, we'll, we'll talk about this more. And who knows? Maybe we'll have another, not a podcast, but we'll have more uh, conversations where we can talk about this. So we're excited about this project um, ramping up. Um, on principle, we never talk about release dates because who knows? This could be next week or next year. We prefer not to say. It better not be next week. (laughs) We're going to have to get a lot done. (laughs) So anyways, um, thanks very much. And we will close this episode and we'll see you at the next time around. Thank you for joining us for today's conversation. You can find us online at somasoulworks.org and continue these conversations with our small group curriculum. We hope to see you next time and have a great day.